Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And with me, as always, is a man whose dying wish was that I developed the film in his camera that he got when he got hit by a bus. <laughs> uh, first off, the scene of her getting hit by a bus was is amazing. Literally it's the, the best most the surprised movie. I've been. The most surprised I've been <laughs> yeah. in any of the movies I, we watched. I'm really hyper engaged. With how wh- how far they went with the like dummy flying fifteen feet yes. in the air, yes. boy, they just yes. went for it. I was like, wow, like, it's like they shot her out of a t-shirt cannon. It's yeah, just- it was like, what is happening? Here? Well, here's the thing. We'll talk about this in a minute, in a little bit. But like this in- insistence of injecting humor, that's got to be part of it, right? Like, right, but, right, like, right, 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 right. He to- talks to about actively it. undermine right. your actors. Uh, by injecting yeah. humor where it does not belong. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. At least, at least this was a cutaway <laughs> where no one else was involved in the scene. Right. It's no one acti- actively reacts to it. Yeah. So, you know, there's something. But boy, that, that uh, dummy just flying that far in the air. It was so good. That was a thing. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lost in criterion over there for a dollar a month. You can help keep us going and get access to a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion film. Supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. I put together that list sometimes with supporter input, always, always welcome supporter input. Uh, Yeah. It's not because we don't want it that it's only sometimes because because we don't always have it. Let's just be very clear. I, I hate thinking of these lists. Uh, yeah, and and often, uh, if if timing works out, if scheduling can work out, uh, if a user suggests a list, we will also invite that person on to talk about whatever movie gets voted for. Uh, so it's a, a fun way to uh, get to talk movies with us, if that's something that I interests mean, you. I mean, if that's uh, something you want, which, I mean, is it? It seems it seems like some people do want it, and and I've had great fun with the people. Who, I have. I've had, have I'm not it. criticizing them. I'm I am yeah. baffled by the idea that anybody would want to talk to us. But right. yes, right. But but because of that, we do have uh, guests over there a little more often as well, uh, and have a lot of fun. We watched a lot yeah. of very interesting movies, a lot of very good movies, a lot of very bad movies. Uh, you know, it's like the Criterion Collection, but they're non-Criterion films. So. Sometimes we just uh, somehow accidentally pick a movie that we'll complain about for an hour and a half, and then uh, yeah, we will do that. Sometimes, sometimes we'll get something that is so mind-openingly amazing uh, yeah. that we get to have a long conversation about why it isn't in the Criterion Collection, uh, and then occasionally, such as uh, with uh, we didn't quite have that conversation with Sidney Lumet's failsafe, but for some reason, that's the one movie we've covered in the right. bonus episode. Yeah, that that's was later weird. added to the Criterion Collection. That is really weird. That like I yeah, that was my takeaway from that. Some was of the not, other this should be in the right. Criterion Collection. It was yeah. uh. some of the other much better films we watched over there are in the Eclipse Collection Criterion sister series, um, but others, uh, you know, things like uh, uh, the other Lumet film, Dog Day Afternoon, uh, or or Network. Um, maybe should be in the Criterion Collection. Oh, I mean, Dog Day Afternoon not being in in the Criterion Collection sort of seems like a crime. Right, 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 right. That's fair. Uh, But you can hear us talk about all of these movies we mentioned and so many more. There's 50 episodes over there, and you get access to all of them for just a dollar a month. Uh, And they 
new ones out every month. Yeah. A little above that at five dollars. Uh, we do like to thank those people on air, just you know, for folks who who want to support us a little more. Uh, thank you so much to Stephen Goldmeyer and Eric Coronado, who are current five dollars supporters. Yes, and you. a little above that, we do something that I think is really special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently, uh, usually from the main podcast, but sometimes from uh, from a bonus episode as well. And uh, he gets that printed up. Well, I get that printed up on a postcard. Yeah, I don't print anything. Let's be very yeah. clear here. And then, and then write a little personalized note to you. So if you like bespoke art, bespoke mail, uh, just supporting the mail system while you support if us. If you want to make sure you uh, can see every postcard because Redbubble <laughs> right, is right, 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 right. not willing to fight copyright. Yeah, that is $10 and above. And we like to thank those people on air as well. Thank you so much to Jason Westhaver. Patrick Yako, Michael McGrath, Chris Otto, and Adam Speakerman are $10 and above supporters right now. As Pat mentioned, uh, redbubble.com is where we put our uh, postcards after a little bit of a delay because I, I want the want to make sure that our uh, supporters have seen and enjoyed their postcards before they go up for sale. But if uh, if you're a supporter who has seen a postcard in the past that you actually want uh, you know extra copies of to send around to your family for the holidays, it's <laughs> just uh, like the idea of a holiday postcard for me. I should yeah. do it one or, year. Uh, I should provide my provide them with a like season well, you appropriate do have, postcard. You do have because usually uh, you end up for the last few Decembers. The bonus card has been based Does on tend the, to be the movie the, we the, watched yeah. for the holiday special. That's true. So. Uh, but anyway, if you want to see those postcards, most of them, not all of them, because Redbubble will not go to bat for our copyright uh, copyright claims. No matter how legitimate our use. claims are. Yeah. Uh, you can head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion. It's just easier that way to, to make you type a little more. I'm sorry. But, uh, but yeah, head over there and you can see them. And you can buy the former postcards. And many of them are available in other formats like stickers. Uh, a few of them are available on buttons. Uh when it works, when the when the the art fits the when the art the situation, you know? right, 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 right. We don't we don't we don't put everyone on a button because sometimes that would make very little sense. Yeah, it would be a very confusing <laughs> but, button that but, you probably couldn't wear. Right, right. Uh, anyway, again, if you want to support us over at Patreon.com/slash Lost in Criterion, this week we are finishing up the box set of pigs, pimps, and prostitutes. Uh, I don't like the way you said that. The, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just. Uh, well, they are, they are three films from the uh, from the uh, '60s, directed by Shohei Imamura. Uh, they are the last three films he made with the uh, Nikatsu with the production company Nikitsu, Nikatsu, rather. I, it's not. That's it. That's not just me mispronouncing it. I really keep thinking the A is an I every time I think of their name. But mm. Nikatsu, uh, this—I uh, believe it's his final movie with Nikatsu. This one, uh, he made—he uh, made the pornographers under his own. Uh, his own yeah, production I mean, it'd be company. hard to figure it out. I mean, you can definitely Within figure a it couple out. Of it's years just not of this, so. easy. Uh, nineteen sixty-five established his own production company. So nineteen sixty-five, yeah, the pornographers would be his first movie with them, and this would be the last one. Though. Yeah. Though incidentally, uh, the pornographers was distributed by Nikatsu. Well, well so. my guess, is, well, there's probably two parts of that, right? Like, right. But it the, is the production company for it is Imamura Productions. Right. I don't think he also launched a distributor as well. So, 
Right, 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 right. So the sort of much, much vaunted sort of independence there is is really more on paper more than anything, right? Because yeah, they're not going to distribute something they don't want to distribute. Right. Interesting enough, his uh, his international distributor distributor was Toho. Uh, Toho oh. put out the pornographers in the U.S. I'm sure we we talked about that. Oh one well, again. I I really hope I get a copyright strike for one of uh, for a picture about his movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toho well, is pretty legit. They are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, is is there um, a is there a one centimeter tall Godzilla a million you know in the very background <laughs> of the thing? Yeah. Nope. Nope. It's ours now. Right. Not an actual image of Godzilla either, but an artist's rendering of a uh, of a toy. Of, yeah, <laughs> of, of a toy. Godzilla. Only the face. It's yeah. copyright infringement. It's uh, like, what are you talking about? Anyway, yeah. Well, you'll Toho, never see it Toho because if you don't already have it, you're never going to get it. Sorry. My Christmas we'll card is just going to be that one. I'm just going to re-release that one for Christmas so that people, if there's anybody who signed <laughs> up after that, just gets that one. Sorry, yeah, I'm I'm still kind of bitter about that. It'll be fine. I'm also bitter no, about I, the I whole understand. Superman thing too, because that one's even more clearly parody. Yeah, yeah like Absolutely. to like yeah. almost uncomfortably so. Inarguably, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, well, I'm uh, bitter. What can I say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, this is our this is our final uh, <laughs> our final Immemora film. I believe it's our final Immemora film in the collection. I believe so too. Today and so, frankly, so even, good riddance. Even if they were really to release another Immemora film, it would be you know, a bajillion years, years from before now. we get to watch it. Yeah, Heat death of um, the universe will happen before we get to that. They, right, right, right. Never. Right. Uh, well, the heat death of something certainly. Uh, well, I mean, my universe was not that far away. Let's be clear here. That's probably fair. Uh, but yeah. Um, Intentions of Murder is the English title of this film, also known in English as Unholy Desire. Uh, and then, like, the actual Japanese title is, like, Intent to Kill Red, like, Red red Murderous Intent or whatever. And it's, like... The color red. Yeah, the color red, specifically. Uh, like, yeah. it's very... I'm, I'm, always a, I'm always appreciative of movies that have, like, 12 titles that we watch. It's just... It feels good to know that we can call it a different thing every time we talk about it and confuse ourselves. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this actually was, uh, it's on the Criterion channel, but finding other information about it uh, was a little difficult because even the Wikipedia is under the title Unholy Desires. So That must have been the official uh, release it? title, like, from Toho. It must be. If it everybody's calling yeah. it Unholy Desire first. That means that, like, right. weird, like, weirdly contrarian Criterion Collection decided to just release it under not, the name that everybody else knows right. it as it's very, right it's sometimes. very it's it's interesting criterion does that sometimes cuz yeah. so often criterion just releases it as uh you know if it's if it is a language that uses roman lettering criterion will just use the original title yeah. a lot of the time uh it will anglicize many japanese movies um Particularly if they're single words like right. uh, uh, Ugetsu, Ikiru, uh, yeah. Dodeskaden. Um, yeah. And then sometimes it just goes with an English title, 
But sometimes it is an English title that is more reflective of an original English title or or a uh, or a director's choice of English title, even if it was released under a different name, such as we have this week with Intentions of Murder versus Unholy Desire. Yeah, I don't I don't understand like, that editorial process. No. I mean I, I think we've talked about like sort of like who's the sort of managing film acquisition right. person at any given time seems to play a large part in like what kind of films they're pulling in at the time and, and how they're titling them right. and they don't seem to have like how that all working. They don't seem to have a direct like you know how like there's a style guide for like newspapers and stuff. Right. There's there's no criterion Bible, it doesn't no, seem like. No, there's no style guide. There's nothing saying, like, th- they can make a left turn at any given moment. And it's, it's frankly, a little con- disconcerting sometimes when we're watching these movies. Sometimes, sometimes it can be. But what that means is the chances of an earnest box set go it's up there. significantly oh, it's, because of that lack of And the older we get, the more yeah. likely it becomes. Hey, speaking of rules, the opening of this movie is is a poster that says "Obey Family Rules." Without rules, this house will not function. Right. Um, which is uh, interesting uh, in that I don't feel like that's like an establishing theme of the rest of this movie. No, I mean I would say that it plays into what we were talking about last week. With regards to a general belief about rules and the sort of animalistic nature of human beings, right, as a right, sort of right. general theme of Imamura's work, right. uh, if we if we if we mean rules in the broader sense of just status quo, right, yeah, I can understand where we're going here. Um, yeah, because if there, there's yeah. n- <laughs> the main char- the characters in this mo- the. Other characters other than our main character in this movie, and even the main character to our own extent, is nothing if not concerned with maintenance of the status quo. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's a, that's one interesting part of this movie is that it stands in stark contrast to our last two films, which are about a woman trying to forge her own life who is constantly undermined at every turn because mm-hmm. of the society she lives in. Whereas this one... Our main character is more just put upon and more more passive. Um, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. and in the end, you know, she has the titular intention of murder, uh, which do, she does not uh, pull off. Um, she chickens out, I suppose. Um, and then. Uh, and then she also, you know, she gets the one thing she actually desired through the film, the one real desire she she held through the entire narrative. She does achieve in the end. So there's that, you know, she does win to a certain extent in as much as in as much as any of Imamura's main characters win. Yeah, I uh, mean, win is a very very loose term in this movie. Like Right. Right. She right, is right. slightly less put upon by the end. Yeah, like uh, this is um, yeah. despite what I've just said about the opening scroll, uh, this is a movie that uh, I think is much more of upfront. I mean, last week had a lot of it, obviously, and we talked about it. But this movie, I think, is much more upfront with its uh, with its animal imagery. Uh, um, yeah, with the uh, with the mice uh, being prominent yeah, in many yeah. scenes throughout the movie. 
caged mice running on a treadmill, not getting anywhere, is uh, certainly a very blatant metaphor for. Uh, well, specifically, for yeah, for our main character, right? For, like for, it's for Sadaku's life, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is that like you know, it's it is, but like. Yeah, boy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to start this conversation. Like, we talked about whether or not Imamura, like, cares about and respects his characters. And yeah. and while I actually think this would rank number, probably number two for me in terms of, like, because the last one was just so fundamentally distasteful right. to me that, like, if I, right, I like, right, I right, right. barely made it through the movie. This one was like I could just watch it. It wasn't like making me want to like just go out into the woods and throw stuff. Um, it still shows just an absolute fundamental level of disrespect for his own characters, right? Like I, I think from from its text, I would agree, but from the meta text of him talking about it in one of the bonus features, the way he talks about the actress here is very reminiscent of the way. Uh, Polanski talked about the. Um, I was star getting it. that of, is uh, actually in the water. That is exactly where <laughs> I was going. Um, <laughs> yeah. You you read my mind. I was. <laughs> I have a couple issues. Uh, <laughs> right. There is. Uh, he gets hyper, like, patronizing about this actress in the interview, and we get into a lot of different things about her and his reading of. Her like it gets worse because we get into the actor and the the character right that the way he right. talks about both of them is so fucked up like right, but I'm right, I'm right, right. I can't it's almost kind of hard to separate because I don't think he does I don't think he respects the actress and I think he specifically has designed it so that he picked an actress actress he doesn't respect for a character he doesn't respect uh, right honestly speaking. But, like, boy, howdy, are those guys just the most, f- like, fucking, like, uh, like, sort of weight, like, I don't know what the, the term would be. I don't want to say fat phobic because it's not exactly that. It might be. I don't know. I'm never exactly sure how to use that terminology I don't know. The way perfectly. They, but they're the just way such they, assholes. The way they keep keep describing a slightly thick woman as bovine. Yeah, is, uh, it's fucked it's up. It's not great. No, they like uh, they they're just they literally spend fully half that interview talking about her weight. Yeah, and then making comments that directly represent that like her being slightly overweight, not even slightly overweight. She's not even really overweight. She's just probably like yeah, average. She's not even right. She's not even that she's heavy. bigger than a normal <laughs> actress would be, I guess. But, like, she, the way they talk about her as though they constantly make reference to her fundamental humorousness, it's like, yeah, boy, you guys are, like, you guys are just like, fuck you guys. For real. Like, you just, like, basically, like, casted her as a joke to play a character that you consider a joke. Right. Like, oh. Right. It's not. Fat people are funny. Right. Like yeah. it's horrible. I oh yeah. I the interview for this movie made me want to do the thing I wanted to now, do for the last movie. 
Yeah. Now I will, I will say, uh, this actress was in the last movie, and mm-hmm. I, I, I really think they had more respect for her character in the last movie. Well, we didn't <laughs> get around to it. I, we didn't actually we end up talking really about talk her about character her. at all because yeah. we were going to talk. I was going to bring up the fact that her Korean boyfriend is treated just like hot garbage in that movie, right? And I just well, didn't have I time. Think, um. Well, it's interesting uh, because you know her. It is her daughter who is. We didn't talk about this at all. Uh, her daughter in the last movie is tragically killed in a home accident. Right. Um, and uh, we didn't talk a lot about death last movie. We got we got we, so the last uh, movie so was on so other hard things. to deal with. There was with. a lot to talk about. There really was. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so she's got uh, she's got the American GI boyfriend who is stationed in Korea um, throughout that, um, but yeah, you know, then after after the child dies and she's she's got a compelling storyline going on in the background of the last movie yeah. that that maybe could have been a movie itself too. Yeah, <laughs> well, probably. Really... I mean, like, wouldn't fit his sort of like <laughs> I aura. I would not. I wouldn't really trust him more. No, but to could write be an interesting movie made by somebody yeah. else. Right, 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 sure. right. Um, but in any case, uh, uh, Masumi Hurakawa is her name, and uh, and she does she does very well here, despite the fact that, that does, despite the again the director just actively like working against yeah. her. Yeah. Um, constantly, yeah. moment to moment, constantly trying to undermine her in every capacity. Because, like, keep in mind. We, they talk about like adding levity and humor to these scenes. They almost always involve her, and they almost always involve sort of undermining the dramatic acting that she's doing by right. adding an immediately very pretty much inappropriate, like quote unquote comedic right. thing. The one, the one particularly that comes up in the bonus conversation with, uh, with like last week, it is uh, is. Uh, uh, Imamura in conversation with a uh, Japanese film chem- critic, Tadao Sato. Uh, and the one that particularly comes up is that there is a scene, and they don't talk about really the dr- the drama aspect of the scene as they're talking about it. No, they play scene, it off completely. Right. But it's a scene where, uh, where Ri- Raichi, the, the husband, um, is attacking her really um yeah no yeah is, i mean he literally slaps her right uh, i think uh, pulls her serves. hair yells at her for for having an affair um because he had jokingly earlier said uh dismissively said oh yeah you're gonna have an affair if anyone will have you uh and you know the double standards which we'll talk about you know is something something definitely immemore is is swinging for because he is the husband is actively having a uh an affair as well but anyway uh in front of their son he is beating his wife um and then she collapses to another film uh, room and it, it's all very well shot very interestingly shot yeah, it's a way, dramatic scene like layering, there's no drama problem the scene yeah yeah <clears throat> and then she goes into another room and she's crying and she's leaning on this table and the table breaks and in my read watching this because i am sympathetic to this character uh i thought that it is just it is one more yeah it's just one more piece of shit like it's like just another fucking thing on the pile the goddamn table's broken right 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 um 
But Imamura talks about that as levity. Yeah, as no, a, he talks about as, it as, and specifically because she's too fat to lean on the table. Because she's too what fat an to absolute put on the table. goddamn piece of shit. <laughs> I hate this person so so fucking much. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not great. Um, no, it's very far from great. And keep in mind, that's one of the examples. That's the one that was like, really, like, are you fucking kidding me? But then, like, he talked, they laid another example they give is her making a really weird meal after having just been raped. Right. And, and they're like, and like, again, I read it as this person is in a severe emotional crisis and is just doing anything to right. like build, to just, do anything to like rebuild their universe like rapidly. Again, like it's, it is a. I'm gonna go response. eat a meal. I've just got to do right. something. Uh, right. And instead, it's meant to be a joke, and they both laugh about yeah. it. Which, bear in mind, doing a joke right after a sexual assault scene is inherently telling your audience, "Oh, that wasn't important. Don't worry about that." Right. Like, oh, you shouldn't care about that. This person isn't worth your time worrying about them being attacked. Right. Like, that's what you're doing. If you, if you, like, it's maybe one step removed from an actual rape joke, but it's not even really. Yeah. It's real fucked up. Like, it's some fucked up shit. And boy, it was very hard to get through that interview. I found that interview very upsetting to watch. I was like, what are we doing here? Why am I watching this? Like, this is bad. This is all just bad. I mean, so much, so much of us going through this box set and experiencing the, experiencing the bonus features of this box set have been being put off by Imamura talking about his art and his movies in particular. Uh, but that one was especially hard to get through, yeah. uh, just because of the way he talks about again this actress and the character, but yeah, not just it, the character, the actress too. Well, and he basically is melding them into the same person. Right, like in right, many right, ways, right. right? Like the way he talk, like the way he talks about the actress and the character are almost indistinguishable from each other. Right, right. And it's really fucked up. Um, like, I mean, he just has no respect for her at all. Yeah, this is a movie that makes it a a little more explicit in the idea that these terrible things are happening because of societal concerns. Uh, the burglar only breaks into the house because he needs money to buy his heart medication. That's textual. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. We we finished last week just beginning to talk about uh, not just patriarchy but paternalism within these mm-hmm. movies, um, and and paternity within these movies, um. And it's interesting the way, you know, she she started as a maid, and she... Uh, well, and only well, we kind don't... of nominally as a maid, right? Like, right. in many ways, one of the weird things that this movie shares with the last movie is she's essentially sold. Yeah, right. right. Off. Right. She's, and, and the implication always for that arrangement in these movies is you're not just being sold off to be a maid... Your soul, your, right. you know what I mean? Like, there's this extra level of context in these movies. You're that, being like, sold off to be a mistress. mistress. Yeah, it's the the it's yeah. it's obvious. And she was never, and it's very clear that like because they're not married throughout the movie, she was never intended to be the wife. She was intended to be the mistress. 
and right. that's just didn't work out because like he's just not man enough or something to that effect basically well it doesn't it doesn't work out because of the classism in his worldview and his mother's worldview right. um and the fact that his mother is so domineering into his worldview as well right um yeah so you know he i mean he explicitly states that you know she's she's lower class and right but that's what i mean is she's meant to be the mistress and like right the system the plan gets fucked up because there was probably somebody who they were the plan was probably to find a wife and then have her is just yeah. around for that basically right, right. like right. basically what her yeah. mother her grandmother was or whatever right like i mean he 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 yells at her that she's only a housemaid right you know, yeah no absolutely like in the in that scene of that fight and his attack on her which is only happening because she has uh suggested that uh, maybe it would be nice if the official court records could show that her <laughs> she is the mother of her son, right. Masura, or Mas- Masaru. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's just, you know, it... There is this element in these films about, like, sort of the tacit buying and selling of people um, that... Right we do see more than once and and this is still part of that theme um yeah well the specter of capitalism is throughout this movie in all it all this right movies, you know? i but again the, like yeah it, that's true not just not just the buying and selling of people but the buying and selling of means of life and means of comfort of of televisions of uh of sewing machines, of uh, abortions, of you know this this price, uh, right? And the uh, and the idea of ownership and whose name should be on the paperwork and and you know um, and how much uh, the husband owns his wife in that regard too, right? Uh, or owns owns her even if he does right. not consider her her wife his wife. Um, so, you know, that, that sort of property is, is a specter throughout the film, uh, not just in the ownership of human beings, but in the ownership of, of all right. sorts of things and the consumerism of, of the culture. And we can maybe say that Imamura is commenting on that, except I don't uh, buy it. That he's frankly. not, he's not really. And one of the ways, you know, in, In, you know, last week, last week we talked about the classic liberal worldview. Um, and in so many ways, you know, in each of these uh, movies, um, you know, at least Hiroko, uh, last week, the daughter is is dropping out of that society. And that's how yeah, she wins. Yeah, trying right? for sure. Yeah. But yeah. But in Pigs and Battleships, uh, the lead character wins by uh, becoming a factory worker and getting out of town in in a way where she's going to make money to support herself. Right. And in this movie, our main character wins by establishing a sewing school uh, and owning her own uh, means of production. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, sort of, right? Like she does, but she doesn't, right? Like she still is in their house that like 
she most right, certainly right, doesn't right, have right. property rights over. Um, well, she, but she has successively, successfully, seemingly, uh, gotten her name on the family registry. Would you like least. to know exactly so. how much that's worth? <laughs> Absolutely. Apparently, nothing. I would. I would not like to know. As it no, turns you out would that. not. <laughs> um, yeah, Japanese inheritance law inheritance laws are not not great. Um, right. No, I mean, like she she has. I mean, given the time period of the movie and stuff like that, she has very little power. Like even in right. the, her final form, at the end of this movie, she has almost no power over their family. Uh, yeah. We're still quite a few court cases away from her having anything that even remotely approaches like self determination powers uh, in a lot of ways, right. and even now would could very easily be in a position where she has no power. Um, I mean, I'm just saying that like being on the family register is nice and all, uh, and does mean that like he does have very minor obligations of acknowledging her as his wife. Uh, yeah, but. Bear in mind that, like, um, for example, uh, I was I had an example. Like, yeah, it just it doesn't. It's it's weird. Like, for example, there's still no child support laws in Japan. So, like, if he right. decides to leave one day, he owes her nothing. Like, he doesn't. He's not legally yeah. obligated to do anything in any capacity for her. So, like, yeah, um, she's on the family register. Technically, if everybody else dies, she'll get to keep the house. But, like, will she? Right. Or will they give it to his no. brother, which seems very likely. Yeah. Right, considering he has he has siblings, it seems very unlikely. That, In fact, uh, I'm pretty sure the way the, the law is written, it would go to his brother first before it went to, at least certainly in that time period. Maybe now, I forget, I don't know enough about Japanese inheritance law to, to speak on it. But I definitely right. have read something about, like, the way that works and exactly who gets what earlier at earlier time periods and so yeah uh my point is is yeah she gets a victory but ultimately it's kind of it's not a hollow victory for her but it is very easy to understand it in general as a hollow victory which sort of plays into a thing that the movie talks about all the time and like certainly our director talks about all the time which is the power of dull-witted women or something to that effect. This is again this horrible dismissal of this person. Um, right. It's like she's satisfied with her victory, but like our audience is also, I think, supposed to snicker and be like, "Yeah, her victory." Air quotes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she got what she desires, which is like we all know, ha ha ha, is really not anything. Right. It's a read on it. I don't know if it's the read on it, but it is a read on it. Um, I would also say that, yes, the movie engages with the concept of consumerism and that sort of stuff. But, again, I feel like the same problem we talked about last week and before is it, it like, engages in that sort of way where it's like, oh, isn't it a shame that, like, he had to steal to get money for his medicine? Like, oh, how sad. Like, it's not like... Why did it happen, Imamura? What's yeah. the root yeah. cause will, here? Again, with the classic, you know, that we certainly talked about in the last couple of weeks, but but frequently comes up, uh, the uh, the very thick line between engaging with and just featuring. Yeah, acknowledging uh, that it exists and actually engaging right. with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
So there are there are social considerations that are presented in this film, uh, and that are maybe even textually condemned in this film, uh, but they are not. Uh, yeah, they're just. He's just not willing. Uh, he's he is going like he fundamentally is going to toe the party line of like right. boy these social issues are bad boy howdy aren't they bad like that's it's just so much so much of hearing Imamura talk I really feel like the husband in this movie is the most Imamura character we've had oh yeah a hundred percent yes yes a hundred percent it's the closest to the closest a stand-in for him. That we've yeah, ever an author yeah. insert. Not that he's meaning it as an author's insert, because I think he is well, condemning some of. Yeah, as a, as we've discussed before with plenty of other directors, uh, that happens pretty often. <laughs> like, right, oh, right, right, I right, made right, myself right. and I didn't realize it, uh, and I will never yeah. acknowledge it. Right, 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 right. Whereas, you know, uh, <laughs> the the example uh, that we also so often give is. Uh, you know, uh, our uh, Fellini, who, yeah. who always has the character he thinks is his author insert, and then the character that's also uh, that's his obvious actual author insert, who's the guy who cheats on his wife all the time, right? Um, in in almost every every Fellini film for a good a good chunk of his career. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, basically, but, it's just be- anyway. it, there's a reason why it's become a a running joke for a us. joke for us. Yeah, uh, but anyway. I will say this movie, I think, you know, and we talked about this with, with Pigs and Battleship. It got away from us a little bit last week, but we certainly could have talked about it for another half hour last week. Um, one one thing that certainly sets this apart uh, stylistically from Ozu is the dynamism in in how it's shot. Um, right. Well, I mean, uh, Ozu the, is, uh, is we yeah, Ozu right. is notorious for the lack of dynamism too, <laughs> like the the, right. the lack of camera movement, you know. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, this is, and Ozu Ozu does the sort of layers through a small house. Um, that that does happen there. Yeah, and here no, it's well. not no camera movement. Um, it it just you can always feel right. the rails that the camera's rolling on. Right, right, right. Um, but this one, you know, there's so many very dynamic scenes, I think, particularly of, uh, after she leaves the abortion doctor and is confronted by her rapist on the train platform. Um, we get the tracking shot of them having the argument, her getting on the train to try and get away from him, him getting on the train after her, uh, and then uh, our camera uh, sliding down the train platform as the train pulls away, as they have the argument on the back of the, and, you know, that's like five minute sequence. Um, and that's very dynamic. And, and then we almost immediately switch to, to, well, we immediately switch to an almost also <laughs> more stationary because of the tiny space it's taking place in, but, but something with almost as few cuts as they continue that argument. And it becomes a, uh, a life and death fight as both of them try to push the other off the train. Right. Uh, as they have that argument on the back of the train. Um, and just that, that entire sequence from, from even, even starting in the abortion doctor's office and the way that shot with her at sort of the periphery of the screen for a lot of it. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, I think also of when she, uh, when she, uh, 
goes back to the train station. You know, as she's taking the bus away, she gets off the train. It starts to snow, and then she gets back on or off the bus uh, as it begins to snow, and then gets back on to another bus going back to the station. Uh, is is very interesting the way you know just the fluidity of the camera movement of the cameraman himself stepping off the camera uh, the right. the bus and back onto the bus through the doors through the through that layer of separation of the windows and the doors, um, but then that all falls apart <laughs> with with her and the rapist trudging through the snow and it's a handheld camera of a guy <laughs> who. <laughs> Seems to be uh, pretty uh, pretty iffy on his footing as he's walking through right. the snow himself, and I almost got motion sickness watching <laughs> that scene. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Of them. Yeah, where it's just very, very, very shaky, um, and they even do some interesting like treetop shots through the course of that too. But to try and get more dynamic shots, they put a guy just walking in front of them. Uh, and it just doesn't it doesn't work as well, unfortunately. Right. But kudos to them for experimenting and trying. Right. Maybe I mean, in terms of like in terms of just making it, as we've talked about before, just kind of making things hard on your crew. That that right. theme does remain. Uh, but, right. you know, right. Right. Well, you know, that's not it's that actually, unusual for directors. We've encountered this level of making things hard on your crew before. Yeah. Uh, on making things hard for the crew, apparently all of that snow was trucked in from from Tokyo. Yeah, so, which is fascinating because like, the place they are is north of Tokyo, which is right. fascinating. He said uh, the, the season had already ended up there, according to his interview, uh, and they had to to truck the snow in and then figure out a mechanism of making it snow with snow that they had had trucked in, so it was already a little packed. So they had crew members dedicated to breaking up the snow packs and putting them into baskets and then shaking the baskets up off off the top of the snow. Yeah, it's all very yeah. complicated to I mean like, right. you know, effect-wise, it does feel like a very snowy day, like Yeah, it really works. I mean, it, it, like I will not fault sort of the technical accomplishments of this movie. Like it is of the three we've watched, it is probably the most um, sort of technically well put together. I would say, yeah. Uh, it like just in terms of just pure like film technique, it is right. the best. And the effect the shots, three. the dream, the dream shots where she's drifting off into space. Are very interesting, and yeah. I really have no idea they how they have her spinning vertically off into space. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's very well done, uh, and doesn't. Yeah, I I just I don't know how. Yeah, they no, it, 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 it's it's it is the budget they had to do this. So. Right, and that and that's but, fascinating, right? Because it's like, well, like good for them in terms of that. Like, I mean, like Imamura is definitely becoming a more competent technically more competent right. filmmaker as the movie as we progress through these movies the issue becomes more that like he does not become a more a more kinder gentler human being as far as I can tell in fact it seems like he gets worse as far as just right, sort of right, right. acknowledging the humanity of the characters in his movie um, it, it, right. it is, and that's really that is really what sets him apart from every other Japanese director. Yeah. Every other Japanese director yeah, we have encountered much. in this. Is that no matter what kind of stories they're telling about what level of society 
everybody sees their characters with more humanity than Emma Morris seems yeah. to see any of his characters. Yeah. And it, it's it's really, it is very noticeable. It is extremely yeah. noticeable. Um, And I, and like, it is, it begins to sort of feel pathological as we get more and more through these movies. I mean, like, right. well, and fascinatingly enough here, we are given characters who we are supposed to maybe, like, the the guy, her rapist with a heart condition kind of feels like sometimes Imamura wants us to sympathize with him. Like, yeah. it's a weird, it's a, it's a choice. Um, I don't know. The, he Maybe it just comes down to the actors and actresses and the way they play their characters. Maybe Imamura just couldn't rein this guy in because a thing Imamura talks about pretty constantly is crushing his actors and forcing them de- like kind of down like kind of beating the the beating the like emotions out of them to a certain extent like not physically so, but you know what i mean so on 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 one hand i i think it could be argued that Imamura just thinks Imamura just thinks everybody's bad but there is some well he does kind of say that in one of that other documentaries right it's yeah. like oh actors they're right. all fucking useless basically he says in well, another interview so. i don't i don't mean actors necessarily more more humans right um because there is there is an aspect of this movie in particular where uh, both of the men whose actions are condemnable uh, also exhibit uh, physical uh, maladies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where the, there's equation of of uh, physical disability or or constant illness as right. a reflection of of evil intent. Yeah, uh, and we talked is... about that a little bit last week too, about that like that weird associating like the body with the with the sort of the soul in terms of uh Yeah. Right. Like, oh, evil people are sick. Or like bad yeah. people are sick. Like they're you know, there's a lot of problems with that. Like, because you can also right. then go in the other direction, which is all sick people are bad. Right, uh, right, 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 right. Um and you know, he he even uh, in the scene on the train, uh, the rapist even even makes a correlation between his physical malady and and his mental state. Right, that that he is he is brain sick because of his heart sick, uh, and that's why that's why he becomes so obsessed with her, stalking her after he raped her, um, or even deciding to rape her in the first place when uh, when he was robbing her. Right. With a, with a specific intention of of the robbery for a reason, um, so you know it's it's just not interesting. Is the problem? It's yeah, just, no. It's, I mean, it it is it is a very like we didn't talk about this that extensively, but a problem I do have with Imamura is that his sort of his brand of intellectualism is fundamentally at its core quite shallow. It doesn't yeah. go very far. Uh, it tends to cut itself off very quickly to ensure it never infringes on uncomfortable ideas or alternatively making, uh, you know, forming equations like this that are bad, but like suit whatever sort of like not very well conceived uh, kind of metaphor he wants to get across. Uh, what, you know, another another aspect of that, that relationship of... Uh of physical and spiritual. Um, uh, another 
part of the bonus materials on each of these three movies are uh Tony Raines giving a short like five to ten minutes, which I did on, not watch. I ran movie. out of time for that, unfortunately. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't say a lot. Um, okay. But he does talk about. He does talk about you know her impulse uh, to suicide, and then you know after the suicide doesn't work, she just starts eating. Um, and we've already talked about that. I think very justifiably in you know dealing with trauma and distracting herself, and you know. Uh, but, uh, but he says, um, he says that that says quite a bit about physical needs above spiritual needs, I'm paraphrasing, but, but the fact that, you know, he, his probably much more gracious reading of Imamura, uh, is this idea of, uh, of the physicality of of the base survival instinct is is really you know where we get it <laughs> where we get it from Imamura ultimately right of, of that before and above um any spiritual needs of that of all of that and you know it's true of, of all three of these movies of of that base survival being above and more important than um community spiritual intellectual pursuit uh, to the point where, you know, for so many people, and this really is true to life, for for many people, that base survival uh, is so hard to come by right. that they do not have the energy, time, you know, and that is part of the problem of capitalism. Uh, not It is not a human nature problem. It is a problem of the society we have crafted, not of all societies we could craft, certainly. Um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, she, she, I think Reigns is reading that wrong as well, because I think we're, I don't think Reigns is reading it as Imamura intended, because Imamura has himself said he intended that as a joke. Right. Uh, I don't think Reigns is reading it. He's certainly not reading it the same way we read it, and I'm obviously sympathetic to the way we've read it. Um, right. That it really is a trauma response, and is, in as much as it is realistic, I think it is a trauma response more than it is her suddenly delving into her lizard brain and. Well, eating. I mean, as a trauma response, turning off any sort of higher function, sort of, and going lizard brain is a trauma response, <laughs> right. right? Like That's those fair. two That's can fair. be connected, right? Of being like, yeah. well, m- me no want to think no more, please. Right. Let's right. not do that right. now. And then, like, sort of just doing the thing you do when you're not when you want to distract your brain entirely. Yeah. Which is like, you know, isn't this yummy? Let's eat this. <laughs> right. Um, right. Right. It's not even necessary. She's mixing and matching just everything in the fridge, right? Yeah, no, it's just like uh, so it's it's like, yeah, and, and it like and that plays into it. I think that plays into it being it being read as a trauma response. Again, our our literal author intent is is expressed. We right. know what the intent was. It is not that it is, and, and make we a joke at her it. expense, and it is our right to reject it, and we will stand right. by that right. <laughs> Right, and, and you know, some of that comes down to the fact that, like, you know, despite the roadblocks that Imamura seems to throw up in front of his lead actress, she perseveres through 
the real person perseveres through and seems to imbue this character with personality and a soul, which means that even though he tries to make this joke of her, she acts it in a way that, like, you can also read it as not a joke. Same with the table thing, right? We watch her mess around with that table, and we can see that it's, like, a coping thing in a lot of ways. And it's, like, it's broken. I'll try to fix this while I'm sitting over here crying because I need to do something with my hands and things like that. Right. That that, is also just the the one more thing, right? You know, right, right. The they can kind of really combine those you. two together, absolutely. Um, the, you know, like if you've the, ever the had one of, the, one of those the days, right? straw that breaks your back. Right, right. right. Yeah. And and everybody's had that kind of day where, like, the last thing, bad thing happens, and you find yourself, like, trying to piece together a broken, like, cup on the ground. Well, like, right. and, it's, and, like, any outside observer, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, throw right. it away. Just, like, sweep it up, throw it away, it's done. But there you are, like, on the floor cleaning, like, trying to put it together. So, like, that, that people have, like, right. it's all kind of part and parcel of the same thing. And it really comes down to, I think, the actress imbuing it with a life that he didn't necessarily intend for it, but couldn't yeah. stop her from doing, basically. Right. Uh, with, in a lot of ways. With this box set, it's interesting you know, occasionally we get this elsewise, but it is interesting that we we get an author who has an opportunity to tell us explicitly what he means by each work mm-hmm. and what he chooses to focus on in his opportunity to tell that um, is is maybe interesting, and it's interesting in what he doesn't choose to focus on. Right. Because on the one hand, while uh, the abusers in her life are sick, men physically and sick emotionally um they are also ineffectual and dying and that could be a commentary on patriarchy in this time period in japan being sickly and on its deathbed and ineffectual uh but (laughs) he does not he does not choose to mention anything about that as we talk about as we hear him talk about him and he talk about the movies in his ample opportunity to talk about these movies right and instead talks about how uh the character is fat well Um, that's the thing right is that like we have ample example of the fact that like maybe on paper like maybe in like spoken like in very specifically curated ways Imamura is is a is in favor of women's liberation and like is you know what I mean like he has that surface element right he keeps making these movies that could like surface wise be understood as like movies about women empowering themselves but like we get very clear evidence of every interview we get with Imamura that dude is kind of right. a misogynistic asshole <laughs> right. right like you know what I mean like it's like that I mean. Not to make I mean, a even, weird comparison, even, but you get the um, what's his face? What uh, shit made like Firefly, and that's in those movies. Oh yeah, 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 Josh Whedon. That that's sort of like performatively, like right. against the thing made, that he is made, very much willing to perpetuate himself actively. Right. Made all the made all the worse for the fact that he's clearly willing to perpetuate it, and also positions himself as above doing that sort of right. thing, even as he continually doesn't. Uh, exactly it, it 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 really feels they feel when i was watching i was thinking of i was thinking that that was the person i was thinking about like constantly it was, it's like 
this sort of like performatively pro women empower women's empowerment and like but but also a hundred percent willing to perpetuate that to their advantage constantly throughout their life right like just think about the way he talks like uh, that longer interview this just puts it in more context like he's just a fucking creep basically yeah. i really dislike him and i'm i must say i'm so glad we're not going to watch any more of his movies or that if we do have to i will be it will not happen because i will die before it happens yeah i am glad to see the back of him and never have to deal with him again like ugh, ugh. like thinking about like if you just put it all together you just sort of amalgamate everything we heard him say about his own work it just paints the picture of a shitty dude right being sort of lauded for his empowerment of women in his films to in a yeah. really fucked up way and, and just, like i don't know how just, much that's true i don't know how far that extends for example into the actual women's liberation movement in japan like i don't know if they were lauding him cuz you don't get any of that contextual information from any yeah. source on you can readily access it may be the fact that like all the sort of like that the sort of intellectual intelligentsia of like a very certain type were like, oh, look at him. He's doing all this powerful work. Whereas in other circles, they're saying like, well, this guy's just making right track. Like who knows? Right. You right. know what I mean? Like we don't know. It just, what it all boils down to me is just the fact that we have so much ample opportunity of him speaking about his films and what he chooses to talk about as he speaks about meaning and direction of his film. Uh, implies that any positive message I might see in this was accidental at best, right? Like, and it's and it's worse in this one even than it is yeah. in the way he talks about insect women. Like, women. like, like the, this is the worst one as far as that's concerned. He has and I could, no deeper meaning in right. his discussion. I could say that it's very interesting the way uh, older, higher class women are positioned as. Uh, condemning not just those of a lower class but those who are younger than them how at the funeral uh the older women have a uh, prolonged conversation about the degeneracy of young wives insisting on wearing toe socks in the house yes yeah uh, <laughs> which is a wild one and that's obviously meant to play as a joke as well right it's all right right it's a hundred percent in hit line with like the things he thinks is are funny right um Boy, I would never want is, to meet this person at a party. And it is it is silly. It's patently ridiculous that they are having that conversation, right? Um, and, you know, there's interesting things going on through that, uh, through that funeral scene with the little boy uh, messing around with stuff in the background and then in the foreground, you know, and, and you know, about, about the body's missing teeth. You know, because he took right. them, um in the background. Uh, yeah. So, you know, stylistically, there are very interesting things going on. There are little bits that have to have been in the script that are interesting. But the other thing about the table collapsing is he says that was an ad lib, that he didn't think about it until Yeah, it they wasn't were in the script, yeah. It wasn't in the script. Uh, so, you know... I guess a condemnation of his improv skills, maybe, but also just the way 
the way his gut is reacting as much as as much as he wants to format all of this as as a gut you know as pure uh pure instinct um right yeah he, which he does call it at one point right he just directs from right. instinct or whatever like i mean right. yeah no matter how much he wants to say that he wrote a script Right, you know, and, like, <laughs> and the script seems to be better than the stuff he's doing on Instagram. Well, and that's <laughs> what, and, and I, I really okay. Th- let's take this in a weird direction, but okay. Why do you watch that scene get acted and then say, "Oh no, I need to put some levity in here"? Is it because right. I think you get to that point because the amount of emotional content your actress is putting into the scene is more than you personally are comfortable with. Right. You are made uncomfortable by the fact that the actress is, like, making feelings. You know what I mean? Is making, like, is actually putting emotional content into your movie. In adding that at that last moment, it is a clear indication that he is trying to undermine her performance Mm -hmm. to me. And uh, I think it is remarkable. I, it is a comment on her skill as an actress that yeah. it doesn't work. Right. That right. she still, like, you could you could art like a better director who re- like could be like, oh, I put that in there to like put her in a position where she had to like give a little bit more to sell it or something like that. But it's not. It's none of that. Right. It's very specifically in there because that moment needed "quote unquote" humor, and humor as a sort of like emotional sort of dampening device. Yeah. Uh, right. I you know, <laughs> uh, with Ozu and with Imamura, uh, in being concerned about the the Japaneseness of of Japan. Uh, we get this uh, condemnation of Americanness within Japan, and right. in that regard, it seems very interesting that all three of these movies, uh, with with a somewhat exception to the end of Insect Woman with the daughter, all three of these movies are uh, only focused on a single woman, the only woman in the society who has any interest in transcending uh, and getting out. And it's very individualistic in a very American way too. Right. Um, no, at least well, at the end of the the movie, the daughter's transcendence of that involves starting a commune. Um, right, but, and I think that's I kind of think in some ways that's meant to sort of be a poking little joke too. If you if you want right. to be totally honest, I don't think he the puts that in there because he believes that the communes are the answer. I believe he puts that right. in there because like there's kind of probably a tacit joke. They're like this. Oh, she's going to go off to join this sort of fanciful notion, basically. Dropped um, out of high school, idealistic teenager. Yeah, right. I don't think he apart. wants to like promote that as an idea, a, a solution. Immemorial right. um, like, in our experience has not made a "the youth are all right" movie. No, <laughs> so, not at all. Uh, not even close. so. I don't think that was one. No. <laughs> so. Right. Exactly. So like, it's important to keep in mind that like the commune is probably more meant to go in the other direction to be read in the other direction if anything else uh right uh but what what i mean what so you were talking about the fact that like um 
oh, like the sort of individualism of their sort of like yeah. self empowerment and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like that tracks, right? Like that's sort of what we've been uh, we've sort of been talking about is this idea that it's like dog eat dog, right? Right. And this idea that like if you're going to empower, you're going to empower by walking over the bodies of others, basically. Right. Um, and that like the the closest you get to actual fucking solidarity of any sort in this movie is her neighbor helps her go goes and files that court proceeding right. for her. Right. There's one person in this movie who actually just genuinely cares for another human being that isn't their da- their child, right? Like is, right. that is not their 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 offspring. Um and that is the neighbor legitimately and, cares about empowering her. Right. And that a is a little bit. And that is all dependent on how on the level the husband is when he says she's going to charge you off the nose for that. And right. you know what? what? I think if you were to ask, if you were to actually find out what Ima Murrow was thinking, he is on the level. Yeah. I think we as the audience can choose to read it not that way and be like, no. Right. She just does a fucking nice thing to help yeah. set her friend a little free. Right. Now, mind so, you, her friend does get something out of it, which is a, a, a knitting studio to like. Right, right, right create her sort of like little like knitting class that also seems to yeah. also produce items. Um, right. So like They're, to a certain extent, I think Imamura wants to make sure that they sort of at the end, very end undermine like, cause like keep in mind that uh, Sadako is not doing knitting. She's working the, the silkworms and right. the knitting is happening in the background there's different ways to read that, right? And the sort of, I think, the Imamura way to read that is, well, she's doing this. Her friend yeah. got her studio, and that's how that arrangement all worked out. Yeah, and then there's a, a completely unexplored textually uh, metaphor of the silkworm of being a prisoner who is kept fed only to produce. Right, right? absolutely, yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's just, you know... Haroko in Pigs and Battleships is only able to make her escape because she leaves away, she drops all emotional attachment she has to anyone in the town, and she steals money from her mom. Right. And then in The Insect Woman, uh, Naboku uh, is only able to escape because she, you know, pulls the same con her mom's been pulling over on her mom, basically. Uh, by by taking the money from from her mom's long term uh, lover, I guess to Pimp? put it in Morris. Yeah, yeah, uh, abuser uh, in many ways, but yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, but again, only only sort of st- is only to make it by by exploiting another woman, right? Like it's that uh, it's the yeah, it's doggy dog. The only way yeah. up is to step over the bodies of the people that you left behind. Right. Um, and right. like there, there is a. We cannot assign that worldview to being Imamura's fault, right? Because it is right. the dominant worldview world. of the sort of neoliberal capitalist right. hegemony. It does not change the fact that, like, even inside of that dominant ideology, more often than not, movies will have at least one character who is in some yeah. way identifiable as virtuous who like right. like who 
cares about somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, then it's, it's interesting yeah. in this movie that that Sudoku. Um, I keep trying to say Sudoku. Uh, I've noticed. <laughs> sorry, Sudoku. Uh, she doesn't exploit any other women. Uh, to come to well, <laughs> arguably at the end, she is maybe running running a capitalist enterprise that right. Is, uh, yeah, I mean, selling it's so the at the end that it's hard students. to read it. Yeah, but but that is hard to read. But uh, she is also just painted as dumb, textually. Right, uh, right. She's painted so as dumb, and is she and dumb for you. not doing that? Right, is that is that why she's dumb? Because she enters into a partnership with the one woman who has shown her kindness, and. Uh, well, I mean, it's probably part of the read on it. I would yeah. also argue that in Imamura's worldview, Sadako is too dumb to do the execution of the stepping over the body, but yeah. does benefit from an accidental one in the fact that the woman who is standing in her way gets hit by a bus. Right. Like and it, I think it, be- it, it becomes a sort of more of a folly in that situation where it's right. like, oh, well, she lucked into it. Suddenly now we're in sort of Chevy Chase land here. And like she's she's lucked into it, but it doesn't mean she's not walking on that walking over that body right. to get there. Right. right. Like this woman was eliminated more by fate, I suppose, and her own desires to yeah, but it take is- over. Yeah, it is a woman who was who was actively trying to supplant. Uh, right, and while uh, and while Sadako is completely oblivious to the fact that this is happening, right, um, she is more than happy to deny that in order to get what she wants, which right. is not necessarily a bad thing or anything like that. Like that's. I'm just saying that I don't think we undermine his worldview at all in this yeah. in this movie. In this movie. Yeah. It at worst, at best, we don't talk about his worldview very much in this movie. Right. I do. I do think it's really great the way uh, the way that uh, that that's all resolved simply by having uh, Sadoko uh, reject. The reject the pictures. Well, right? the funny film. thing is, right, is Re- reject that yeah, film she as a. Oh, go ahead. But what she is, what she is textually doing, is rejecting film as reality. Is re- rejecting the very nature of film to be able to record real things. And then they just say it. Apparently, her husband just says shrugs and says, "Yeah, that's probably what happened," and moves on in life. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing, right? Because there's a couple things, a couple ways you can read it. Um, the in the in the fireside chat between these two assholes, uh, they sort of complain like, "Oh, well, men are powerless to the uh, obstinacy of, of, of right, women." Right, 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 right. Which That's is a dumb just reading. the worst possible takeaway. That's bad. <laughs> uh, but but like, there's a couple different reads you can take on it. We do get to see the pictures. None of the pictures. I mean, like they, they breeze by pretty fast, but. None of them, as far as I can tell, show her face. He comments that's on, that's your kimono, isn't it? There aren't that many right. fat women like you, are there? He right. never says, but that's your face. There's so, there's only there's only one woman in all of Japan who is slightly overweight. It's got to right, be you. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and so she rejects that reality, which does play slightly better in the sense that 
Imamura talks about the fact that like someone who appears that you assume is dull witted does he doesn't describe it very well. His his description of it is very uh, gross and patronizing. But that idea that someone you assume is is not very intelligent probably holds magnitudes inside themselves as well, right? Like yeah, and like and and will surprise you if you assume that everybody around you is stupid or that people around you are stupid. One day they are going to surprise you, and that will probably will hopefully be to their advantage and not your asshole advantage of assuming they were stupid the whole time. He doesn't go right. that direction with it. He more just describes a like, oh, those dumb dumb women will sometimes shock you, uh, right? Right. But and like, to hear to hear the way he describes that scene again comes back to anything good in this movie is unintentional. Yeah, uh, but I think I think. There is a very interesting read of that scene that completely undermines everything Imamoro believes about what he is doing with his art as an anthropologist. Yeah, uh, quote unquote. As she as she rejects the reality of uh of photography, of filmography. Right. right? Yeah, I mean you can definitely take that as yeah, there's different there's different ways to read it, right? Like there's there's like yeah. rejecting the like sort of reality of this this representation there's there's also there's that there's there's like i'm smart enough to know that you don't have anything so i'm going right. to shut you down like right we're right. not right. having this conversation because you don't know anything right you think things but you don't know anything so you can just fuck right off right. um i mean they're both good reads they're both fine for a way to understand the character that is interesting uh, and is more interesting than, well, what are you going to do about those stubborn women? Um, right. Which is the worst read that you could possibly choose. Uh, you right. know. Um, during that during that conversation with, uh, with Salo, there, is, uh, there are two glasses on the table. Yes. Uh, I did not notice if they get uh, more empty. They do not. Uh, no one ever drinks them. They're yeah. as far as I can tell, they're just set decoration. Yeah, they are both half full. I was wondering if maybe maybe they're just drunk, and that's why no. this conversation. And they're is going pro- the way it's they are, probably but... it's probably green tea. Yeah. In yeah. in a kind of beer looking glass. Right. Um, the only reason I say that is because, like, there's not a lot of, <laughs> not necessarily a lot. I don't know what year this was on TV. I think it may have said. But yeah. there's not a lot of standards, and I, drinking beer would not be one of them, would not be problematic. But, like, I think the way it's represented feels so backgroundy that yeah. I, my guess is they just like to have, like, fancy glasses for their green tea kind of on set. It might right, be beer, right, but, right, like, right, boy, right. it's flat as hell by the time they get to it if they do. Because nobody right. fucking touches that for at least an hour. That whole like coffee table is just very busy for for what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very know, it's weird set dressing. It is weird um, set dressing. It is <laughs> my my favorite part of the interviews actually is, and we've seen other interviews with this with this film critic is yeah. is the very classic throw to the the only camera change is when they cut to a close up of him to describe like to do a live reading of like the sort of like copy for the yeah. movie that's showing yeah. on TV. Uh right. it's very fascinating. Yeah. It's obviously that they've got uh they've got the the uh 
the uh, title cards or whatever, you know, the, the teleprompter set up on one camera. And, right. Yeah, absolutely. And the they did, and, it, and it's do. always done exactly the same way. Like, right. it's like, we don't see it a lot in modern television, but that classic, like, I'm a news reporter or something, and now right, I've got right. to do the serious copy. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I change cameras and, like, comment, commentary down the barrel. Turn, turn to the proper camera and address the yeah. audience directly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is interesting. It's. Um, I, I. find that like that style of like TV yeah. making and filmmaking kind of interesting. Just. just that I don't know. Thing. I guess. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't. Certainly don't want to throw Sato under the bus, uh, or into the front of the bus. Ah, the we bus can throw, throw him under the bus a but, little bit. He. Uh, but he's part of the problem yeah, in this interview. And, and you know what I'm about to say is maybe too gracious to Imamura, but but I wonder how much of. How much of the conversation that ended up happening is just because those are the sort of questions that Sato decided to ask? Yeah, I would say yes, but also, like, Sato didn't prompt him to comment on her weight a bunch. That's, that's Like, he well, never said anything about he her weight he, until Imamura brought it up. He didn't the first time, right? He, he, right, no, no, he no. Eventually, they're both on later. board. Right, right. No, absolutely. They both get into it after it is broached as a subject, but it's yeah. very worth noting that Sato doesn't bring it up at all at the beginning. Like, Imamura brings it up apropos of nothing. Right. In describing the character that, like, the actors he chose, basically point blank as, I wanted somebody who's a little fat because it's funny. Right. And, like, you Uh, get into this thing, right? Like, okay, not to, like, kind of loop back around, but you get into this thing, right, where, like, is part of the goal here right from the beginning to undermine the emotional content of the sexual violence that is done against this character. Right. Like, oh, I want a humorous looking woman because I want to undermine the idea that she is physically desirable. Right. Like, I want it to be funny that she is sexually assaulted to my audience. Right. Like... And you know you can it, dig deeper with that idea, right? Like it's if, gross. If that were his explicit intent at the time of making the movie, I think there would be more overt comedy in it. So there is that. Maybe this is still a drama. But well, what I mean though is that like if you're, yeah, maybe I'm just sort of thinking in a sort of like he keeps putting roadblocks in the actress's way to make sure that she has a hard time. It's hard right. to convey emotional content. One has to wonder if to a certain extent, like, oh, I picked an actress that the film goer, and like me, it's probably not conscious, but subconsciously, like, oh, I don't want somebody that the audience will find physically desirable. Right. 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 Like, I can feel that that, that, I could seriously 100% believe that at least subconsciously that's part of the decision-making process. Like I don't want, yeah. Like I can definitely. It's, it's feel that. barely subconscious from the conversation we see him. No, no, I know. So, I mean, I mean, right? I mean. Well, yeah. definitely, he's choosing women, that, a woman that he finds humorous. I'm right. wondering if, if the to a certain extent, the ultimate goal, at least maybe more so, like that, this being more subconsciously, is to undermine the seriousness of the crimes that are being done to her. Right. And the and, and the and the pain that she is going through, at its yeah. core in the story, and saying and kind of 
in a certain sort of way telegraphing the idea of like, well, this isn't that big of a deal. Right. Right. And part of part of the undermining of her intellectually is, you know, the major plot of the movie that she is. She has these intentions of revenge kill, but she is incapable of actually pulling through on it. And even even when the opportunity presents itself where morally all she has to do is fail to act in order for her rapist to die, she is incapable of letting that happen without protestation and without trying to help him. Right. And, and so you get in. Yeah. Like that's that brings up a whole nother issue. Right. Which becomes. Is Ima Mura saying that that's because she's stupid. Right. That like she's a bad, she's essentially failing at the fi- primary biological imperative right. because she's just so fucking dumb. She's not even smart enough to be the animal that people are. Right. Only stupid right. people so, are nice. Well, hey, okay, that- we have precedent for it, Adam, because as we discussed in previous movies, the only people who don't care about paternity are stupid men. <laughs> right. Right, so right. we have this sort of recognition throughout Imamura's work here that, that stupidity and a failure to understand the fundamentals of biology go hand in hand. I guess, yeah. Right. That like, oh, you're too stupid to be a good dog-eat-dog right. animal. Right. And obviously it's, 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 it's very different and there's no correlation whatsoever, but it is a little reminiscent of like the idiot where, you know, it is... She is not actively being compassionate, even as her. Uh, it is a impulse toward community that will hurt right. her. Right. But, but she is doing, you know, at a, at at the very basic level, the action she is committing is a love for enemy that she is being condemned textually for. Right, um, and, and painted and that, as stupid for doing. Uh, right, and but and that lines very, up. That's yeah. very the idiot. That's what well, and that lines up about so that lines yeah. up very directly with this sort of the sort of ideological hegemony we've been talking about. This idea that like, no, the the correct thing to do is to be that vicious right. animal right. to each other. Right, right, You're doing being human wrong by hoping to build to by hoping to participate in a sort of community that cares about each other. Right. Yeah. You're bad and at she, being a person. You know, frequently frequently it is her her pity for him that that keeps her from becoming that animal. And the fact that she explicitly has that pity for her rapist, for the uh for the person who has abused her the most egregiously in the film uh is no, is obviously something that Immamora thinks is right. Is idiotic. it is directly like is bad and is connected right. to her stupidity, like right. directly. And and you know she she offers no ideological, philosophical, theological uh, justification other than trauma as to why she would feel this way about him. So there is that. I don't want to praise her actions no. inherently. Uh, because she really is just a scared woman acting in a traumatic uh, series of events. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's still interesting 
again, it just boils back down to what Imamura chooses to talk about when he has the opportunity to talk about this movie is that she's dumb and isn't it funny that she's fat? Yeah. And and there's really very little substance in the Sato, you know, half hour interview other than that. That's no, I mean that is just basically talking about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anything else you feel compelled to bring up before we close? I do have I do have one more thing that we'll end on. Sure. If that's all right. That works for me. Even as we talk about movies of uh, of East Asia, uh, even when uh, Donald Ritchie is not explicitly involved in the commentary that Criterion gives us, his specter is always there because yes, he looms is, over us at all times. Yes, that is his uh, his oeuvre of of uh, a half century or better of commentary and criticism. Uh, but in the uh, in the James Quant essay, uh, he has he has this sentence. Uh, he is talking about the. Imamura claims his, he makes messy movies. We've covered, uh, so he is talking about the messiness of of this film in particular, and he says also messy is Imamura's impure conflation of genres, here including thriller, documentary, family chronicle, home drama. Noir and train film. Parenthesis. Train film. Yes. Parenthesis. Donald Ritchie counts intention of murder as the best example of the latter, of a train film. Donald Ritchie calls this what? the best train film. And admittedly, there are some very dramatic scenes that take place on the train. Right. I mean, uh, I guess the train is essential to the plot. And the train is essential to that plot and to those scenes. And that, I guess, is what makes a train film. I will point out that since I am occasionally doing a train movie podcast going through Train Magazine's 100 Greatest Train Films, uh, despite Richie's richiness in saying that... Uh, Intentions of Murder does ma- not make the cut for the 100 Greatest Train Movies I, of, I of Train like, Magazine, which I'm not surprised about because my, they're, right. their, criteria, their criteria for what makes a train movie are, is not great. So, but what you I was thinking, my immediate that. takeaway when you described that to me was, does Donald Ritchie not understand that the train <laughs> pulling in and out of the station there is a metaphor for sex? Like for right, rape right. or... I mean, Does it even get gets that, even, or it's much, it's much more overt because they also turn, pull into a tunnel, and that is the, that is the change from fight to rape. Right, absolutely. Like it's all. Right. Over, I mean, it's all over this movie. Like, yeah. Um, the, the he classic, wanted that imagery really right, bad as, for whatever reason. As much as as much as we talk about new waves uh, changing film uh, language, uh, Imamura settles on one of the most consistent and classical images of uh world of all cinema not yeah not even just cinema but yeah. also just like <laughs> right basic a, artistic endeavor right ever yeah. since the invention of a train <laughs> right was a like train. boy doesn't this remind you of something right yeah. yeah a train entering a tunnel is always a metaphor for penetration uh, yeah <laughs> and man have we seen a lot always. of movies where that's true right Right, right. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, Imamura does that. <laughs> I'm too. just really fascinated by the idea that Donald Ritchie just doesn't get that. Like, <laughs> right. like is he's like, man, listen, listen. Man, he that really metaphor features exists. that train really hard. 
that metaphor exists in train movies too. So, you know, but yeah, I guess uh, that's true. But also I like that. Like the, the discussion of conflating genres there otherwise is also like, man, you invented a lot of subgenres that straight up man do not exist. <laughs> Thriller documentary, family chronicle home drama, by which I mean, he, I assume he means what, what we might call women's films in our talk about Ozu, you know, that sort of, Aimed at middle class, right? But then, wives. right? But then, uh, define for me the difference between home drama and family chronicle. At that point, is I'd getting be very, very hard pressed, right? Hard yeah. pressed to say that uh, noir, uh, which is a subgenre of thriller. So, uh, uh, yeah, train film is a a very broad bucket, and uh, well, yeah, it's the broadest bucket in there. But like, and they're doc- all pretty well, bad. Documentaries a pretty broad bucket too, uh, but well, especially but if you're count- if you're into, including this right. in any capacity, also um, falls yeah falls on to Imamura's uh, let's say contested with us definition of documentary right um, so, but uh, yeah you've listened to the rest of this episode to get to this point you know that already so right ah uh, well I think probably that draws us to a close of the uh, of the box set pigs pimps and prostitutes uh three films by yeah Chai thank Imamura. god we're done <laughs> yes indeed we're free yes, indeed. we are free of immemora for the foreseeable future uh next week uh we'll talk about peter yates the friends of eddie Coyle, which is a 1973 american neo-noir um peter boyle's in it always great to see peter boyle in a 70s neo-noir i'm i'm definitely definitely up for that uh so look forward to that uh but yeah thank you so much for listening to lost in criterion i'm as always the Adam glass with me as always john patrick otara dorgan and we'll see you next time been lost in criteria i'm your co-host adam glass you can find me on twitter at the adam glass my partner is john patrick Oitari dorgan and you can find him at j patrick dorgan check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey give us a review on itunes it's nice if you really like what you hear consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lost criterion hey our theme music is by jonathan hape check him out at jonathanhape.com and thanks for listening We appreciate it.